Thank you. God bless you. That's one of my favorite songs, and it's my testimony. I thank God for it. Appreciate the way you sang it. And uh, how many of you are glad to be alive? Would you raise your left hand, please? Good. How many of you are glad to be in church? Would you raise your right hand? Good. How many of you were here for the meal earlier? Would you raise both hands, please? Yes. You think it's hard to sit and listen after eating like that. You ought to have to be the person who speaks after eating like that. And uh, my compliments to all the uh, chefs and cooks and everybody did a great job. I enjoyed the fellowship. Great to be with your church family. Your pastor and I have been knowing one another for a long, long time. In fact, we were in college together. And uh, I was thinking about telling some stories on him. How many of you would like to hear some of those? Yeah. But he was so nice to me in the introduction, I just don't think it's the right thing to do. So maybe what we should do is use that as a promotion for the next three days, and I'll share a story in every service. We could have fun doing that. Yeah. No, the truth is, Brother Keeley has been a friend and encourager, and I just thank God for him and for his family, and uh, glad to see what God is doing in your church, and I've been looking forward to spending the next three or four days with you studying the Word of God. Now, let me just tell you right up front that I have nothing to say to you. (laughs) Somebody says, wait a minute, that's why we brought you here. You're supposed to have something to say. But the truth of the matter is, I learned early on, traveling, preaching, that I have nothing to say. Only God has something worthwhile to say. So it's not my sermons that I'm interested in you getting. What I'm interested in is that all of us will get into the Word of God, and the Word of God will get into us, and we will know God has spoken to us. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe that God still speaks? I believe that God can speak anytime, anywhere, any way He chooses to. He can speak to us about any area of our life. But wait a minute. He's looking for people who are ready to hear Him speak. I'm going to do something a little different this week. I'm going to stay primarily in one portion of Scripture. And uh, when I finish preaching tonight, I'm going to tell you what that Scripture is so you can start reading it, meditating on it, thinking about it, so that when we come together in the meetings the next couple of days, you'll already be on the same frequency with me. Before I can take you to that portion of Scripture, I want to lay a little context, and that's what we're going to do tonight. So all of you that are here tonight, you're going to be a step ahead of everybody that's coming tomorrow. Isn't that good? You're in the advanced class. Congratulations. I want you to open your Bible with me in the Old Testament to the book of 2 Samuel. To 2 Samuel chapter number 12. Now remember, every great significant truth in Scripture has some story behind it. Every text has a context. The portion of Scripture that I want to read and study with you this week, I believe God has led me to for our time together, begins... Not in the Scripture itself that we will come to, but in 2 Samuel chapter number 12. Because in 2 Samuel chapter 12, God speaks. He doesn't speak in some booming voice or some vision in the middle of the night. You know, we're living in a world today where everybody wants to see some spectacular thing. Even when they come to church, they want to see some spectacular thing. Can I tell you what I've learned? I've learned that our great God loves to work in very simple ways. And then sometimes it's not in the flash. It's in simplicity that God speaks. In 2 Samuel 12, he speaks not to a big crowd of people. He speaks to one man. May I ask you a question before we read the Word of God together? 
How will we know if this has been a good meeting? Somebody may say, well, we had good crowds. This is a wonderful crowd on a Saturday night, and I commend you for being here. But frankly, the devil can get a crowd. So if we fill the building to capacity and have an overflow, that does not mean we had a good meeting. Someone else may say, well, if we see people saved, that would be a good meeting. And I want to see people saved. Don't you want to see people saved? And yet, wait a minute, that's, that's evangelism. That's the gospel. That's trying to get lost people saved. This is a revival meeting. What we're praying for is that God will speak to our hearts. Remember, judgment must begin at the house of God. Somebody says, well, the meeting was a good meeting, you know. There were good sermons or there was good music or there was whatever. No, a good meeting is this. A good meeting is a meeting where God speaks to you. In fact, the worst thing that could happen this week is the Lord come through this place and speak to lots of people, and you and I miss out on it. I want you to know I don't want to miss anything God wants to say to me. And so when you come to 2 Samuel chapter 12, God speaks. The Bible says, And the Lord sent Nathan unto David. Pause, lift your head and look at me just a moment. Normally on any other day, this would have been a very good thing. You know, it's funny, but when you're right with God, you love it when the preacher comes around. When you're right with God, you love it when God's people are around you. But when you're not right with God, suddenly you don't want to hear about it. Do you remember? Do you remember that day when God came walking through that garden in the cool of the day and said, Adam, Adam, where art thou? Do you really think that was the first time God ever came through that garden? Do you think it was the first time God ever spoke his name? The first time that God ever sought him out? No, I think God came through that garden regularly. It was God's garden. It's where Adam and Eve met with God. But that day was different. That day they were hiding behind a bunch of trees, sewing fig leaf aprons together. Every other day they ran toward the Lord. This day they ran away from the Lord. Why? Because it all depends on whether you're thoroughly right with God or not, whether you're excited about meeting with God. Nathan, the preacher, he had been past David's house many a day. And I have no doubt that David and Nathan had some wonderful conversations about the goodness of God. Don't you know that the preacher Nathan and the sweet psalmist of Israel must have had some good worship services together? This day Nathan comes with a message for David. You see, in the previous chapter, David has committed adultery with Bathsheba. In the previous chapter, he has lied and deceived and schemed and connived and manipulated. In the previous chapter, he has arranged for the death of an innocent man and then tried to cover it all up. And if you look at the last phrase of chapter 12, look at chapter 12, verse 27. The last statement of the previous chapter says, But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. Let me just tell you, bottom line, let's get down to the bottom line. The only thing that matters is this, is my life pleasing God? And is every area of my life pleasing God? And so in that setting, the Lord sent Nathan unto David. And he came unto him and said unto him, There were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing. Save one little ewe lamb which he had brought and nourished up, and it grew up together with him and with his children. He did eat of his own meat and drank of his own cup and lay in his bosom and was unto him as a daughter. And there came a traveler unto the rich man. And he spared to take of his own flock and of his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man that was coming to him, but took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come to him. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. 
And he said to Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die, and he shall restore the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing and because he had no pity. And Nathan said to David, read the next four words with me, church. Ready? Thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel. I appointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. And I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives into thy bosom, and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword, and hast taken his wife to be thy wife, and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house because thou hast despised me and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house and I will take thy wives before thine eyes and give them unto thy neighbor and he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of this son for thou didst it secretly. But I will do this thing before all Israel and before the son. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. I want you to do something tonight. I'd like you to take your pen out. Would you take a pen in hand? Because I want you to mark some things in your Bible and write a few things down so that you can meditate on them long after this meeting is concluded. Would you do this? I want you to mark in your Bible in verse number 7, this little expression, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel. You see, to this point, everybody else had been doing all the talking. Don't you know that in chapter number 11, David had done an awful lot of talking. He had been lying, and he had been explaining away, and he had been manipulating. By the way, we love to use our mouths. Don't we love to talk? And we can talk our way into things and out of things and excuse things, and David had done all the talking in the previous chapter. And when chapter 12 opens up, Nathan's doing all the talking. At least that's what it appears to be. The preacher's telling a little story, and it's, it's an interesting story. But really, behind all of that and above all of that, there's another voice speaking. Watch, please, church. God is speaking. The Bible says the Lord God of Israel was the one who said it. And then come over, would you please, to verse number 11 and mark this repetition. Thus saith the Lord. And I ask you again, do you believe that God still speaks? How? The truth of the matter is, God has many messengers. You know that, right? I was studying Psalm 19 the other day, and I was just staggered again with the thought of what Psalm 19 says, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day and a day uttereth speech, and night and a night uttereth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. What does that mean? It means every day you look up in the sky, God is speaking to you. When I left wild, wonderful West Virginia earlier today, there was snow all over the ground. Can you imagine such a thing? When I landed in Charlotte, North Carolina and changed planes, guess what? It was snowing. And when I landed in beautiful, sunny Florida, paradise it is, the sun was shining. Wait a minute. Did you know the God of the snow is the God of the sunshine? It is an expression of the power and wisdom and glory and beauty of the Creator God of the universe. What a mighty God we serve. Now, wait a minute. How did God even create the whole world? I'm glad you asked. He did it with His Word. Well, the Bible says 
we preachers, we get pretty creative sometimes and artistic in our description. We say God carved out the rivers with his finger and flung the stars into space. But actually, that's not what he did at all. No, the only thing God created with his hands was man, which I think is very instructive. From the beginning, God was saying, I want your life to be in my hand. I like that. But everything else, he just spoke it into existence. That's, that's our God. He just said one word. He said light, and there was light, and it was very good. What a mighty God we serve. And so the world speaks to us. God speaks to us through the creation. And then, if that weren't enough, he sent his own son to earth. Hebrews chapter 1 says that God, at sundry times and in divers manners, spake unto us in time past by the prophets. But in these last days, in these last days, he has spoken unto us by his son, by whom also he made the worlds. In other words, the same Christ that created the world, watch this, stepped out of eternity and into time. He laid aside the free expression of his glory and robed himself in humanity. God became a man without ever ceasing to be God. Why would he do such a thing? For one reason, because God wanted to speak plainly to us. God came to man. What is one of our Lord's favorite names for himself? He's the Word made flesh. What is a word? A word is the very expression of thought. Would you like to know what God is thinking? Would you like to know who God is? Then look at Jesus. And listen to Jesus, because watch this place, as surely as God spoke through the creation, God spoke through Christ. And then, then God did another thing for us. God said, I think I'll just put it down in a book so there's no confusion over it. George Whitfield, who knew something about revival, he was the great preacher of the Great Awakening, said, and I quote, God has condescended to become an author. And most people will never even read the book he wrote. I wonder when you stand before God someday and he says to you, how did you like my book? What will you say? Because the book that I'm talking about is the book that's in your lap tonight, and yet the sad reality is that God put it in black and white, and most people spend so little time in God's book. I'm telling you, God still speaks. And through the Word of God, God begins to speak to us. And let me just tell you what God's looking for. He's looking for some people who are ready to hear it. Are you ready to hear from God? Well, that remains to be seen because we all say it. And yet I wonder, are you really ready to hear from God? That's why Jesus would tell parables, and at the end of the parable, he would say, Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. He didn't mean, are there ears on the side of your head? We all have that. That's why in Revelation, when he wrote to the seven churches, he said to every one of those churches who hath ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. It didn't simply mean, are you hearing or hearing impaired? He wasn't talking about physical hearing. He was talking about spiritual hearing. Are you on the frequency to receive what God wants to say to you? You hear the music in here right now? Shh, hear it? It's beautiful music. Somebody said, this preacher's got problems. He either got hearing problems or mental problems. There's no music in here. Oh, yes, there is. Oh, yes, there is. Bring me a radio. And let me begin to tune the dial, and immediately somebody will say, oh, we know that song, or we listen to that station, or I recognize that voice. But watch this, please. The music was actually here all along. You just had to get some receiver on the right frequency to hear what was already there. Listen to me, church. There is a God in heaven who still speaks today. He's speaking at this moment, but he's looking for some people who get in tune enough with heaven and not with earth to receive what it is he's trying to say to us. And I ask you again, 
So you're ready for God to speak. Let me give you some simple thoughts, and they all come from our story here. Remember, we're laying a little foundation for where we're going. Would you write these down? Number one, I want you to write down that God speaks through his preachers. He did so in chapter 12. He sent a preacher by the name of Nathan, a man that had been used of God in David's life at other times. By the way, sometimes people think when the evangelist comes to town, then he's going to preach a sermon that really speaks to me. May I speak as an evangelist for a moment? The preachers that I have the greatest admiration for are faithful shepherds. And I just want to say to you, God has given you a faithful Bible preacher in your pastor, and you ought to rejoice and thank God you have the kind of man who stands in this pulpit every week and preaches the truth of God's Word to you. Don't take for granted the truth at hand. Excuse me. Don't think that Nathan can't speak to you. He, he may be here all the time, but he may be the very mouthpiece through which God wants to speak. But watch this. God not only can use anyone, he can use anything. This, this boggles my mind. Nathan could have charged into David's palace, put his finger in David's chest, and said, you know you're a dirty, rotten sinner, and you know what you did was wrong. Could he have said that, yes or no? Yes. But instead, Nathan, I believe, led of the Holy Spirit, uses a story. Why would he use a story? God often spoke in stories. And I tell you that God sometimes uses the everyday things around you to speak to you. Sometimes, watch me church, it's not in the church house where God does his greatest preaching. Sometimes it's your house. It's on the job and at school and in your interactions with others. Did it ever dawn on you that maybe earlier today, long before this meeting started, God was trying to speak to you about something? You know, we get pretty dense sometimes, don't we? Let's take a survey. How many of you get kind of dense sometimes? Would you raise your hand? Sure. And, and if we're not dense, sometimes we're just downright stubborn. That's what we are. we got our own idea about everything. And I want you to know that there is a God who is lovingly, patiently speaking to us. Listen to me, church. He can send any messenger he chooses, but the message always comes from him. There may be many tributaries, but it flows from one source. As a preacher, let me testify for a moment. I have learned that it is not my voice that gets it done. It is God's Word. Maybe a year, year and a half ago, I was preaching in a certain place up north. I'd been on a string of meetings, and my voice was tired and weak, and then I got in a part of the country where the weather was terrible and climate was terrible that time of year, and, and I lost my voice. Now, how many of you know for a preacher it's a bad thing to lose your voice? Because people actually come in expecting you to speak. You know, that's difficult. Pastor, it was terrible. I was down to a whisper, literally. I said to the sound man, please, please, I, I'm just going to try to speak for a few moments. I'm just going to whisper. It just give me as much power as you can on the microphone. In fact, my voice was so bad that night, I could not read the entire portion of Scripture and then have any voice to speak. And so I said to the host pastor, I said, I'm sorry to ask you to do this, but would you read my text for me? I'd never done that before. And so the pastor very graciously stood and read an extended portion of Scripture. And, and then I began to whisper my way through the message. I spoke for a very brief period of time. And frankly, my voice squeaked and cracked and limped along. It was painful for me to speak, and I think it was painful for them to listen. But the most amazing thing happened. God came down among us. There was no shouting. There was there was no bombastic delivery of the sermon. In the middle of that meeting, it was as if the Spirit of Truth Himself just said, you know, I, I won't even need you tonight. I'll just speak to people. 
people came under conviction, and before it was over, people were in the altar getting thoroughly right with God and right with each other. There was such a move of heaven. And I'm just going to tell you, it was a very humbling thing. Because I stood on that platform thinking about what a poor job I had done of speaking that night. And then it dawned on me that really I wasn't even the preacher that night. I just worked for the preacher. And in fact, that's true on the nights when my voice is halfway strong. I've learned this, that it is not my voice or my ability to persuade you. It is the power of the very Word of God. God speaks through His own preachers however He chooses to do that. And maybe it's not your style or maybe it's not your preferred method, but God has His own way of connecting to us. And what do they show us? Well, they show us two things. Would you notice the two things that God used Nathan to show David? First of all, they show us God's goodness. Look at verse number 8. This is so convicting. He says, I gave thee thy master's house. Then he says, I, I gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And then he says, if that wasn't enough, I would have given you anything you asked. You know, the first thing God will always show you to get you thoroughly right with him is his own goodness. Can I tell you why that is? Because the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. I could stand up here tonight and I could preach against every sin known to man and it may not prick your heart at all, but if you could get a glimpse of how good and wonderful God has been to you and realize that every sin is a sin against that loving heart, then suddenly it begins to melt and tender and soften your own spirit. Oh, Lord, how good God has been to me. How many of you know God's been good to you? Let me ask it a different way. How many of you are breathing? Then God's been good to you. Have you eaten in the last 24 hours? I watched some of you out there, I know. And we're already thinking what we're going to eat when the preacher gets done preaching. I understand how that works. We're spoiled. That's what we are. We are blessed people. And God says, I've given you everything that you needed, and I would have given you much more if you'd simply asked. But instead, you chose your own way. Now watch, look at verse number 9. He says, Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? He shows him God's goodness, and he shows him God's holiness. Let me tell you where God always begins. God always begins by giving us a fresh glimpse of God. And I'm going to tell you what every one of us, including the man speaking to you tonight, needs in this meeting. We need a fresh glimpse of our God. We don't need to know more and learn more. We need to see more. That's why God used a story to, to make it plain, to open it up, to let him see. Do you know who some of the most arrogant human beings on earth are? The most pompous, proud people I've ever met around churches are the people that always win Bible trivia every time they play. You know what I'm talking about? Do you know why? Because they got all the answers. I'm speaking now as, as a man who grew up around church and grew up in an environment where I was being taught the Bible. Do you know what I've discovered? I've discovered that sometimes what Paul wrote is exactly right, that knowledge puffeth up. And if you're not careful, some of us who've been around church a while and know a little bit about the Lord, we get pretty proud of what we know. And we think, well, maybe in this revival meeting I'll learn a little something more. Listen to me. God doesn't want you to know more. He wants you to see more. Did you know it's possible to know lots of things about God but not have a fresh glimpse of God? Look, I dare say there was never a government leader in the history of Israel that knew any more about God than David did. But at this moment in his life, blinders had kept him from seeing God as he was and David as he was. And I'll tell you what God will do. He'll send you a message through one of his preachers somehow. 
to reveal himself to you and then the more painful thing to reveal you to you. In the light of God's goodness and God's holiness, God begins to reveal to David his own sin, his sin against God. And notice what David says in verse number 5, David got angry. (laughs) Isn't it funny how quickly we see another man's sin and ignore our own? Isn't it interesting how easy it is to be angry over somebody else doing wrong but excuse our own wrong? I'm in churches every week where people say to me, I tell you, preacher, we need revival. That's what we need. We need revival. Do you know what most people mean by that? We need everybody else to get right with God. Preachers start really preaching and, you know, somebody says, that's right, preacher, give it to them. They need that. Hold up. We missed the whole point. It's not them, it's me, Lord. The old spiritual says, not my brother, not my sister, but it's what? Me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. And so angry David here is saying, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to straighten that guy out. Oh, how many days we have stood in judgment on somebody else's sin and failed to judge our own sins. You, You ever watch the news and get sick of all the nastiness around you? You ever get frustrated, honestly, just looking at the world and saying, look at all this injustice and look at all this ridiculous talk and look at all this foolishness in government and look at all this. Did you know it's much easier to criticize the darkness around you than to deal with the darkness that's sneaking into your own soul? We talk about the injustice of the world, but what about the iniquity in me? And so God speaks through his preacher. Here's the second truth I want you to write down. Not only does God speak through his preachers, but secondly, God always speaks personally. Notice the message he sends to David. You read it out loud a minute ago in verse 7. Thou art the man. (laughs) Usually when somebody says, you're the man, that's a good thing. This is not a good thing. Thou art the man means, watch this, shh. Like an arrow from heaven, God the Holy Ghost put his finger on David's sin and said, that's it. One of the most amazing things to me in and out of meetings week after week is to see God put his finger on people's sin and their lives in a way that no preacher could know. I was preaching a few weeks ago in a church. I preached to believers that night. I preached to saved people that night. And when I got finished and extended a gospel invitation, or extended an invitation, four people came forward and said, we need to be saved. I hadn't even preached on that. One of them was a woman in her 80s. She said to the pastor, I've been around this church for many years. She said, but I'm not sure I'm ready to meet God. And she said, I want to get my salvation settled tonight. Do you know what it said to me? Somebody else was talking while I was talking. I love that. See, I don't have to preach on your sin. Sometimes people get in a meeting and they say, well, boy, we got through that one. The preacher didn't talk about our deal. Wait a minute. I don't have to speak on your sin. God speaks to every one of us. Do you know why that is? Because preachers preach to crowds, but the Holy Ghost speaks to individuals. God knows you better than you know you. He knows how many hairs are on your head, knows you by name, remembers that you're dust. He knows everything there is to know about you. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. If anybody should have known that, David should have known that. And I want you to know God has a way of speaking to you personally and meeting you right where you are. 
And God began to show David his own sin and his own spiritual needs. So I want to ask you a personal question tonight. What's yours? Don't tell me. Don't tell me. I'm not your priest. Jesus is our great high priest. Sorry, but I, I can't forgive your sin, and I can't straighten out your spiritual need, and I can't supply what you need. But let me tell you somebody who can. The Lord Jesus, the Word of the living God, that will meet every need that you have. Will you let God be thorough with you? When your pastor and I were in college, there was an old fellow by the name of Frank Sells who used to come to Crown College and teach the Bible. I find myself quoting Dr. Sells a lot. He was a great man. He looked a little bit like an old Bible teacher named Harry Ironside, and he would, he would sit on a platform behind a desk, and he would just teach the Bible. He barely raised his voice, just teach the Bible. He would, I can still see him. Can't you see him? He'd rub his bald head and teach the Bible to us. One day he said to us, students, let me teach you a prayer you should make your own, and this was the prayer. He said, begin to pray this, O God, be thorough with me. Let me just warn you about something. Be careful what you ask for. See, when you start letting God be thorough with you, he'll start showing you things you didn't even know were there. He'll start dealing with things that are beneath the surface. He'll start uncovering things that need to be addressed. Oh, but let me tell you something. It is a wonderful thing because it's a new beginning with God. It's an opportunity for God to do what only God can do in your life. Your pastor quoted the verse a moment ago, I think, in our prayer You shall know the truth. The truth shall make you free. Friends, that's where you got to start. Let's get down to the truth about God and let's get down to the truth about ourselves. And if the Lord looks at us and says, Thou art the man, then say, Yes, Lord, you're exactly right. And whatever needs to be done, let's take care of it. You know why David was a great man? It wasn't because he didn't sin. In fact, I'd say he sinned pretty royally. Would you agree with that? Well, listen to me. It wasn't that David was not a great sinner. It was that he was a great repenter. You want to know what made him special? It wasn't that he didn't sin. It was that when he sinned, he couldn't stand it. And he wanted to be right with God. Watch this. In verse number 7, I've marked, Thou art the man. That's conviction. But come to verse 13. What does David say? Does he make excuse? Does he blame Bathsheba? Does he, does he complain about how tired and weary he was? No. He just says, I have sinned against the Lord. Simple, short, straightforward, sincere. He just said, look, whatever it takes, I want to be thoroughly right with God. And so it brings us to the third truth. Would you write it down, please? Number one, when God speaks, he speaks to his preachers. Number two, when God speaks, he speaks to his personal. And number three, when God speaks, he always leads us to prayer. I have discovered something, and it is this, that God's word always leads you to talk back to him. In fact, if I might pause and give you just a practical word, something that's changed my devotional life is I don't read and then pray. I don't pray and then read. I read and pray. So what do you mean, preacher? For years, devotionally, I would try to read my Bible and then pray or pray and then read my Bible. And I discovered something. I discovered that I was, I was disconnecting my conversation with God. If I'm going to have a conversation with you, do I, do I do all the talking for 30 minutes and then say, all right, now it's your turn. Ready? Go. Somebody said, that's unnatural. You're right. No, a natural conversation would be I speak and you respond. I ask a question, you give an answer, and you make a comment, and I comment on that. It's a back and forth. Let me ask you a question. Why do we treat God any different than that? 
See, if God speaks to us through his word and we speak to God through prayer, I would suggest to you that maybe the best thing we could do is come to the word of God and instead of reading the Bible, pray your way through the Bible and just talk to God about whatever it is God's trying to talk to you about. You ever find your prayers stuck in a rut? Be honest. How many of you ever find your prayers just stuck in a rut? I mean, it's just going through the same motions, saying the same old stuff. I've been there. Let me tell you something that will fix it. You start praying your way through Scripture, and I promise you your prayer life will take on new substance. Not only that, you'll start seeing things in the Bible you didn't even know were there because when you start talking to the author, he'll show you a whole lot of things. And I believe that this was the right order. Watch, please. God reveals himself, man responds. The word of God leads you to prayer. Look, please, when God speaks to you, the only natural thing is for you to speak to God. See, it doesn't end with the preaching. Do you know that some people think when you have a special meeting that the goal is to have the meeting and the preacher comes and he preaches the sermons? I just want to tell you right up front, if all that happens the next four days is I preach a handful of sermons and we all go home, even if you learn something, if that's all that happens, I wasted my breath and you wasted your time. Do you know why? Because there's got to be more to it than us simply hearing words. No, friend, our lives must be brought in line with what God desires for us. And so we have come now to the Scripture for the week. Would you hold your place here in 2 Samuel chapter 12 and turn over with me to Psalm 51. By the time we're done with this meeting, we're going to walk through every part of this powerful psalm. And I'm not going to do it tonight, so relax. Some of you are getting nervous like I'm getting ready to start another sermon. I'm not. No, I'm about to come in for a landing, but I'm just showing you where we're jumping off to next. I want you to look at the little inscription just above verse 1. Would you look at it, please, in your Bible, just above Psalm 51, verse 1. It says this, To the chief musician, a psalm of David, when, when Nathan the prophet came unto him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Hold your place in Psalm 51. Turn right back to 2 Samuel chapter 12. Look at verse number 1. And the Lord sent Nathan unto David. Watch this, please. Turn back to Psalm 51. This is what he prayed when Nathan the prophet came unto him. And all 19 verses are a prayer of response and repentance and revival and renewal and rededication and restoration in the man's life once, watch, God had spoken to him. Can I tell you what I'm praying for this meeting? It's real simple. It's real simple. I'm praying this, oh God, speak to us. And Lord, as you speak to us, help us answer you. Help us respond, Lord. Where does revival begin? It actually doesn't begin with a preaching. It really begins with a praying. It doesn't begin when Nathan delivers his sermon. It begins when David delivers his soul to the Lord. It doesn't begin when you simply have a meeting. It begins when people begin to move closer to God. And so on the opening meeting that we have together, I came to ask you a question. Would you let God start with you tonight? Gain an entry point in your life. Would you let God be thorough with you this week? Would you say to the Lord, dear Lord, my heart, dear Lord, my home, dear Lord, my life, dear Lord, my family. Oh, God, be thorough with me. I'll tell you, when God begins to speak and we begin to speak to him, it opens all of the good things that God has in store for us. And I ask you again, do you believe God speaks, church? 
And maybe the better question is, will you let him? I'd like you to bow your head and close your eyes with me and sit quietly for a moment. I've saved time purposefully to do this. I do not want us to end with a preaching tonight. I want us to end praying. I don't want the last thing we do is me talk to you or us talk to each other. I want the last thing we do is we talk to God. I want us, I want us to respond to the Lord. I want us to begin with an old-fashioned season of prayer tonight because I believe something. I believe if we can get it on what the old-timers used to call on praying ground, <laughs> in tune with heaven, God will really do something in our hearts this week. Let's begin here. How many of you know you're saved you're still glad about it. Would you raise your hand? You know you're saved. Would you keep it up just a minute? And with your hand raised, would you just thank the Lord for saving you? Isn't it wonderful to be a Christian? It's wonderful to be a Christian. Praise His holy name. You may lower your hands. I must ask this question because I don't ever want to take it for granted or assume. May I ask, is there anyone among us tonight that would say, Preacher, I couldn't raise my hand. I'm not sure I'm saved, but I don't want to be lost. I need Jesus. I need Christ as my Savior. I've never asked the Lord to be my Savior. Pray for me. Would you lift your hand? You say, that's me. I need to be saved. I need that. If you need the Lord tonight, you can call on Him at this moment and ask Jesus to be your personal Savior. He promised to hear your prayer and forgive your sin and come into your life. The best I can tell, I'm speaking to believers tonight. I'm glad you know the Lord, so let's just get to business, shall we? Let's, let's do something about what we've heard. I am not going to ask you tonight to tell me any specifics because it's not between me and you. It's between you and the Lord. But let me ask this first. How many Christians in this room would say, Preacher, I am saved, but I have some spiritual needs in my own life. I need God to speak to me this week. I need God to show me some things this week. Preacher, pray for me. I want you to lift your hand toward heaven right now, would you please? God bless you, dear one. Would you tell God that right now? Everybody, just tell them right now in your own words from your heart. He's listening. Say to the Lord. Lord, I need you this week. Lord, don't let me miss your voice this week. Let's go a step further. How many Christians in this room tonight would say, Preacher, I don't know what all God's going to show me this week, and I don't know what all God's going to say to me this week, but on the first night of this meeting, I'm talking about right here at the very beginning, I just want to say to God, God, if you'll speak to me, I'll respond. If you'll show me, I'll obey. If you'll tell me, I'll do it. Preacher, I'll go that far with God tonight. I want you to raise your hand big and high in the air with mine. Would you please? You say, as a sincere Christian, if God will speak to me, I will obey what he tells me to do this week. God bless you, dear ones. Would you tell the Lord that right now? Oh, God, help us. Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Speak, Lord. In a moment, I'm going to ask you if you'll do something. 
I don't know what your church is accustomed to. Every church I'm in is a little different. But I'd like, if possible, for us to gather around this altar and pray. If you're not physically able to move, leave your seat, kneel, you stay and pray right where you are. God understands that, and so do we. But if you're physically able tonight and you say, I really want God to speak to me, I've got some spiritual needs, and I need the Lord to deal with me, then I'm going to ask you quickly and quietly, if you'll just leave your seat and come find a place somewhere here in this old-fashioned altar to kneel, make your prayer to God. If you can't kneel and you need to stand or sit along the front, by all means, you do whatever you need to do. There's no pressure at all. This is a deeply personal thing between you and the Lord. Without any music tonight and the quietness of this place, the only sound in the place is people talking to God. I want us just to be still before the Lord and quiet before Him. Would you talk to God right now? Just talk to Him. Maybe you've been saved for a long time. How long has it been since you've really heard the Lord speaking to you? When was the last time your heart was tendered? When were you last broken and angry over your own sin? Oh, Lord, give us a glimpse of our God this week. Holy Holy, holy, Lord God Almighty, give us a glimpse of thy goodness and turn our hearts, Lord. Melt our stubbornness and hardness. Deal with our fleshliness and carnality. Speak to me, Lord. Show us what you have for us. May this be a meeting we long remember as a meeting where we met with God and God spoke. And Before we close our prayer, I'm going to ask you if you'd make this prayer to the Lord. It's the prayer I mentioned a moment ago. Would you be willing to say to the Lord right now from your heart, Oh God, be thorough with me. Would you pray that to the Lord? Oh, God, be thorough with me. Any sin I need to confess, anything I need to make right, any person I need to speak to, anything I've left undone, oh, God, be thorough with me. And pray in faith, expecting God will answer that prayer. Lord, open the Scriptures to us. Open us to you and heaven to our hearts. Not only, Lord, in the meetings these next three days, but, Lord, through the night hours, early in the morning when we rise, through the course of every day, may we be so in tune with heaven that we will know God's distinct voice. And may there be a spirit of obedience and submission in this church that will change us all forever. I thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.